BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have a really fun and interesting conversation for you today with my friend Liz Moody. And I just listened back to the episode for editing purposes. And there were just a couple of things that I wanted to note before we get into it. So first, we really didn't talk at all about Liz's forte, which are healthy recipes. She's really amazing at thoughtfully developing them. She has two healthy cookbooks. So definitely check those out. She also is a great storyteller and she's a really interesting follow on Instagram and TikTok and her podcast, of course, Healthier Together. So there's that. The second thing is we were really unpacking why it's so important to some of us, but also our culture as a whole to be attractive. And her way of looking at it sort of stumped me during the recording because I just hadn't really thought about it before. But after we finished recording, we were talking about pretty privilege. And that is a very real thing. So I just didn't want to ignore that stark reality. If you're listening to it and you're like, hello, there are so many reasons why people want to be attractive because attractive people have so many more opportunities, sadly. So I will be really interested in your thoughts when you listen to this. So make sure to share and tag us when you are listening with your own thoughts. And yeah, so with that said, today we are talking about, of course, like why we pedestalize attractiveness, but we also talk about how Liz left New York City during the pandemic and adopted a nomad life and how she kind of moved through the fear and the scary stories that she was telling herself of all the reasons why she couldn't do that. We talk about how to incorporate daily micro moments to counteract stress, today's beauty standards. We talk about how Liz found peace with her body, how to reconcile loving ourselves and also changing parts of ourselves and just kind of how to navigate a beauty obsessed world. And what else? We talk about the challenges of aging in this climate. And also we talk about our conflicted feelings about having children, which is also really fascinating because I feel like there aren't really other people in the public eye on social media who talk about this really openly. And Liz just has a really honest perspective on it. And it was refreshing to talk to her about that too. So with all of that said, please enjoy Liz Moody. 
So welcome, Liz. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. We were just kind of talking off mic about the last time we recorded together, and it was like a different world. A literal different world. We were both sick, which I just think is so funny now. The idea of like going to work or going to hang out with somebody when you're, I my, I'd just gone off a plane from Colorado and like the day before, and I had a full-fledged sinus infection and was like dripping. I'm like, no, it'll be fine. Like, we'll be great. Yeah. Now I vaguely remember there was some tea happening, right? Were we both drinking tea? Oh, I thought you meant like spilling the tea, oh. like we were gossiping. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I feel like it was a juicy episode. <laughs> I mean, it was. So if people haven't listened to that one, that's a good like introductory mm-hmm. one to listen to before we do this, because I feel like we'll dri- dive a little bit deeper into yeah, some of the Yeah, for sure. I feel but. like we both kind of shared our, our dark histories. I did on yeah. your interview of me and vice versa. Yeah. On your interview that I did on your podcast, you were a very good interviewer, obviously. But yeah, there was definitely stuff that I had never talked about up until that point. Yeah. And I think that there were some things on my podcast too. So yeah, yours was like, I feel like you're ready for your TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. If anybody's listening. <laughs> well, you have had a very interesting past year as well, as we all have. But you, last time you came on the podcast, you were living in Brooklyn, had your whole, like your life together there, you know, (laughs) and then COVID came along and upended all of that. And you've been kind of living the nomad life the past year. And you've also just blown up on social and TikTok and Instagram. So I would love to hear how that happened um, in terms of the move and like the direction that you took your social and what you are doing now. Yeah. Um, So we were in New York for the first until the end of May. And we were in a teeny tiny little Brooklyn apartment. And it was pretty scary, especially for me. We talked about this in the previous episode, but I've had like pretty serious agoraphobia in the past. I've had months where I would have panic attacks if I went outside because I thought outside was scary. And I was really like freaked out when I was like, well, now outside is scary. So how does, how am I supposed to fit that into my worldview when I'd already recovered from all of that? So it was a really, really hard time. There were sirens all the time. We lived right by a hospital. Um, And so when our lease came up for renewal, our landlord was raising our rent, which felt inappropriate. (laughs) And we were just like, I don't know, maybe we should try like making a change. And I think that's a really interesting thing about the past year is that it opened people up to the idea of change in a way they weren't before. I had so many reasons why I couldn't leave New York before COVID happened. I was like, um, it's better for my job. I worked in the magazine world before I worked in the content creation. I mean, I guess it's a different type of content creation, but magazines are so strongly tied to New York City. And I was just like, if I'm not in New York, will I be able to get work? Will I be able to network? Will I feel kind of ostracized from like the center of all of these things? And I'd made up all these stories for myself. And Zach too, his company's based in England. And he was like, will the extra hours ruin my ability to communicate with them or whatever? And then COVID just kind of put us at the end of our rope. And we were like, we need a change. And we made this big move and none of these bad things that we'd built up for ourselves in our mind happened. And it was a really big lesson for me in the idea that like all of these stories you're telling yourself about why why you can't, they're just stories. And the second that you have a reason to move through those stories and to to break through them really, you're kind of like, oh, that was like in my head and that's actually really different than the reality on the ground. So we left intending to move back to California it was like a really long distance. We were driving across country with our cat. Um, and we were like, 
taking COVID really, really seriously at that point. We weren't talking to anybody. We weren't like stopping anywhere. So we were like, we'll go to Colorado for a month just to kind of like be in a little mountain town, not talk to anybody, sort of decompress from New York life. And we just ended up loving it. We were kind of intending to maybe move back to California at that time, kind of up in the air, but we we loved it. We rented an Airbnb for a month. We hiked every day. We just kind of like hiked and worked and hiked and worked. And uh, it was so soothing and wonderful and amazing. And that's when I realized that the same thing of like these stories of like, oh, you have to live in one place. They weren't true. So we were like, well, let's try this nomad thing. We booked, um, we picked, like we went online and we Googled like best mountain towns in America and like then most beautiful desert towns in America for the uh, winter because I can't do winter proper anymore. I did London and New York. So I feel like I've like earned my stripes and I shouldn't have to be cold ever again. (laughs) And we just like booked places. So we've been in like Santa Fe, Joshua Tree, uh, Colorado, Montana, uh, the the Cascade Mountains in Washington, Hood River, Oregon. And when COVID was really bad, we just kind of like really kind of socially isolated in every place and hiked and worked. But it was just it's been really cool. And now that things are opening up, we were in Santa Fe and we got to like go to museums and go out to restaurants. And it was, uh, it was really, it was like a fun way to explore things. Cause it's like, you're there for a month. So you get a little bit more of a, a vibe of a place, mm-hmm. you know? Did you ever get sick of it though? I mean, I feel like I would love it for the first few months and then I would just want to stay in one place. If you could figure out a place that would make me like consistently happy, mm-hmm. then, um, sure. I'd be down. I think So I spent a lot of, I spent years traveling when I was younger by myself. So I would, when I graduated from high school, I left for Europe that day and like backpacked around Europe for like eight months. And then I went to South America for a year and a half. And I would just kind of like go to school for a semester and then I'd go travel for a semester. And I always feel kind of like most myself when I'm moving, exploring. I also kind of like Like, do you know the scene in Almost Famous when Penny Lane is like, I'm going to move to Morocco and like get a new identity. And like, there's something really appealing to me about the notion that we're different people in different places. And I like trying on these like different elements of my identity. And I liked it way more as a kid. When I was younger, I was like really a different person in like France versus South America. And as as I've gotten older, my identity has gotten a lot more grounded. But I still think different places like bring out a different side of you. But I think if you found me a mountain town that was always sunny and had really good culture and restaurants, but also like really serene, peaceful nature, I'd probably just live there forever. I feel like I can relate to that because we were talking also before about like my love for New York. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like being in LA and being in New York kind of meets the different needs that I have. So it's nice to be able to go there and get that kind of cortisol and that high energy, Mm -hmm. like vibe that we were talking about and then come back here and kind of decompress from it. And then when I'm ready to go again, I go. I also love that LA is like probably the second most cortisol city in the country. And you're like, and this is where I come to to decompress from all of that. But I do think it's like, I think there's something interesting about humans are so much a product of their environments and even like our habits. Like if you make your environment set up to push a habit in a positive direction, you're so much more likely to. And we don't like to give credence to that. We like to be like, oh, I'm just as likely to go to a gym that's like 30 minutes from my house as I am to go to the one that's one minute from my house. But you don't. We just don't. It's been studied so many times that we are products of our environments. And I think that thinking of your environment as like, well, if I'm a product of it, what product do I want to be? Like, what do I want to bring out of myself right now? And I think it's interesting, you know, obviously so many people have to live in places for 
various reasons, jobs, family, whatever. But if you do have the option, I think, or even the option within a city, like within LA, different parts bring out such different energies in, in people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, LA can be a very stressful place, I think, depending obviously what you do and where you are, but I'm in kind of like the sleepy <laughs> part of it, like, you know, like housewives and families and it's just... Um, but then you can come into all of this, yeah, you know? And yeah, then like, yeah. I think I think being able to sort of, instead of being like, no, I can regulate my energy no matter what. I will be static regardless of my environment. Being like, no, it's going to change and morph and I'm going to lean into that and like work with that, I think mm-hmm. is nice. Mm-hmm. And I got a cowboy hat now, so I'm like really mountain ready. <laughs> and like the denim jacket yeah. with the yeah. stars. <laughs> Very, I love it. Anxiety and insomnia can be truly debilitating. And if you're like me, you probably are willing to try anything to help. There are so many lifestyle practices that we talk about all the time here that can help from meditation and exercise to therapy and even the food we eat. But sometimes we need a little extra help. And that's where Ned CBD comes in. I was a CBD skeptic for years until I tried Ned and it's also the only brand I'm comfortable using. That's because they use the absolute highest quality CBD, the most gentle extraction process, and they are 100% transparent so you know what you're getting and you know you won't get any psychoactive effects. I use the sleep oil and the full spectrum CBD oil when I'm feeling overwhelmed or panicky. And they also have this product called Mellow. So Mellow doesn't have CBD in it. It's a magnesium blend. I drink it every night before sleep and my sleep is so much better. My muscles aren't as sore from workouts and overall I feel so much calmer. It is pretty amazing. They also have a natural cycles line for women's hormone regulation and period management. They have body butter, which is amazing for soreness. And they also have some really cool exclusive products for subscription members. So if you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, go to www.helloned.com slash blonde. That's B-L-O-N-D-E or enter the code blonde at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Again, that's helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. I get a lot of messages about where to find clean personal care and household products, where to buy everyday necessities, and how to be more environmentally conscious and sustainable while doing so. So if you're looking for all of that, look no further because Public Goods checks all of those boxes and more. They are the one-stop shop for sustainable, affordable, healthy household products ranging from personal care items to household items to supplements, pantry staples. They have a whole pet section. They have dinnerware now. So pretty much anything that you could possibly want, I'm sure they have. Just think about your favorite healthy, sustainable market, but online. I love all of their simple personal care items. We also use the cleaning products and soaps in our house, and they are just a great place to stock up on all of your pantry essentials. Now you can even shop their surplus so you can save even more. Public Goods ethically sources everything, and they obsessively develop each product to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful 
harmful additives still common in our everyday products. They are committed to making their products healthy for humans, animals, and the environment, and they basically scour the earth to find products that are clean, eco-friendly, and innovative, including tree-free paper products, and their packaging is sustainable too. Public Goods uses a membership model to keep costs low and ensure maximum savings for their customers. And they worked out an exclusive deal for you guys to receive $15 off your first order with no minimum purchase. They are so confident you will love their products and be a lifer that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. So all you have to do is head over to publicgoods.com slash blondefiles or use the code blondefiles at checkout. That's P-U-B-L. L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com slash B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S for $15 off your first order. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the host of Work Party, a podcast for ambitious women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. Work Party is paving the way for a new generation of women. Women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. Every Wednesday, we bring in leading female powerhouses for real talk and BS-free advice on building your business. You'll hear from female founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, creatives, and so many other badass ladies. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Then tune into Work Party, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. So as all of this was happening, you were also like growing on TikTok and on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And something that I saw you say recently, or maybe it was a few months ago, was that like you don't really need days off. And that is something that I really... Oh, I don't think I said that. No? Did I get that wrong? I feel... Maybe I said I don't feel like I can take days off. Oh, okay. I feel like I need days off. I think it's a really hard part of this job that I think a lot of content creators are still learning to navigate and I myself included. And I think it's something that people, myself included, feel bad complaining about because the job is really so wonderful in mm-hmm. so many ways. I've wanted to tell stories for a living my entire life. And the fact that I get to do that is not lost on me. But it's scary to have your livelihood wrapped up in something that you don't control, particularly like algorithmically or like like if Instagram falls out of favor and that's where my audience is, that's scary and hard. And I think that when people talk about like salaries that influencers make, I also think that it's like professional athletes or, um, you know, actresses or stuff like that. Like sometimes it feels like you're your career is limited in longevity mm-hmm. because we don't have an example. What does an influencer look like when they're 60? We literally don't know because social media didn't exist 30 years ago. So I think there's a, a scarcity mindset that I wish I could get away from, but I have it and I struggle to deal with it. So I, I definitely struggle with like, well, if I take a day off or a week off, will the algorithm start to not favor me? And then will I lose everything that I've worked so hard to build? And I don't know. I've literally seen that happen to friends. So it's a scary uh, Mm -hmm. notion. Yeah. I think that people on the outside see it as this easy job and you make a lot of money and you don't have to do a lot of work, but there is so much insecurity, I think, around all of that. I had Mariana Hewitt on a few weeks ago and she was talking about how like even in 
our industry, like we have to pay our own health benefits. Mm -hmm. And when there's time off, people expect you to share more. So if you're going on vacation or if you- Having a baby. Having a baby, yeah. Having a wedding. Oh my gosh, people like creating content around their weddings. I'm just like, uh, yeah. like I'm glad I didn't have a following for my wedding. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. I, I had a little bit on Instagram, but like those were the days that I was still putting an emoji over Chuck's face and like not really, I think it was just in the beginning of like Instagram stories. So there right. wasn't this like need to be the producer of your own reality show every single day. So I guess I must have gotten what you said a little bit wrong. Cause I was like, wow, no, that is, I, I think I thought that you said something about like needing micro breaks and having time. But I think, like, oh, so this was, I was talking about this in therapy. My, um, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Um, and you're not crazy. So okay. that's, <laughs> congratulations. I'm like, you remember oh things accurately. Um, so I think I was saying to my therapist that I didn't feel like I could take larger Got chunks it. of time off mm -hmm. and that I felt like I was slowly losing my mind. And she said that sometimes we put up on a pedestal the idea of like this week-long blissful vacation on the beach or whatever. And in fact, that can be more stressful, like trying to attain, attain that. Even like when I worked a full-time editorial job, we would have to prep all of our content for vacation before we went. So like if I had 40 articles go live a week, which I did, which is insane, I'd have to write 80 articles the prior week to be able to go on vacation. And it would make vacation not fun because it was just so... I was so burnt out by the time I got there. And I think that's the case in a lot of jobs where there's not like, oh, Sally, cover me. I'm going on vacation. Mm -hmm. It's just like, no, you produce all your work first. And that can make vacation not fun, more stressful, blah, blah, blah. So she was like, take these micro moments in your day. And can you like always do a 15 minute walk after dinner? Like, in, or can you sit? Sometimes I sit in the middle of the day and I read fiction for like 30 minutes and it feels like the most decadent thing in the world. Cause you're just like, everybody else is working <laughs> and I'm reading a fiction book. Like it just feels so lovely. I have a friend who sometimes in the middle of like, she works for a very corporate job. She'll just take a bath in the middle of the day. And what? I'm just like, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, like I just block out like a one hour meeting and then I'll just go take a bath in the middle of the day. My work still gets done, but it feels like, like this little moment of pause mm -hmm. and something about doing it in these like naughty bits of time. I feel like bosses are going to be listening to me and they're going to be like, <laughs> I won't listen to this advice. But I, I feel like there's so much pressure on the off hours already too, to like fit in all your self-care, you're relaxing, you're connecting mm -hmm. with family, you're connecting with friends. So I do, I think these little micro moments, I've been trying to do that. I obviously meditate. Um, I know that you're a fan, um, perhaps more than me. And like, you're really an evangelist. <laughs> I'm like trying not to go there in this episode. Um, but I meditate. I try to take these like little, I just try to remind myself that just because it's not this larger thing. Um, and I think COVID was honestly good for that because we couldn't mm -hmm. do these like bigger vacations. Mm -hmm. um, although we're all back to like scheduling now and the all pendulum the crazy is swing, stuff. Is yeah. swinging the other way. Yeah. I know when you were talking about that, I'm going away in two weeks. Actually, when this airs, I will be gone. And I'm like, I have to get all my podcasts done, all the ad reads, everything well, done. And that's beforehand. an interesting thing about the content creation thing is there is like my podcast hasn't had um, like a break since I started it. You yeah, know, it's just me neither. gone on. And I think also because there's so many people who would like jump into the shoes of this job any second, there is this sense of like, well, if I'm not going to do it, then somebody else is more than happy to, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm interested in hearing about like how you deal with the other pressures in the job, but just that a lot of people are feeling now anyway, like pressures um, in terms of beauty standards. And I saw you doing a post that you were afraid to like show your stomach on Instagram mm -hmm. at one point. And then you did. And it was like kind of this exhilarating thing because you realized like not only did nobody really care. Like they yeah. were so supportive. So 
Do you still feel pressure? I mean, you're so authentic on Instagram um, and like you're the same person online as you are in person. And that's something that I really like about you. But do you ever feel like you have to have a persona or when you're offline, you still have to like show up a certain way in case you like see people? I mean, what's your experience with that? Like literally perpetually nervous because people tell me, I mean, you probably get this all the time too, where they'll be like, oh my God, I saw you here. Mm -hmm. And they'll DM me. And I'm like, I literally just like go through the laundry list of things I could have been doing in my head. Like I was like, was my posture bad? Was I picking my nose? Did I fart? Like, was I fighting with Zach? Probably. Like it just, I'm, it's, it's, um, it's nerve wracking, but I know I feel like I'm mostly the same person with the aesthetic stuff. Like I think it's interesting because I, I have social media has been really revolutionary for me in accepting my body. I would say like two years ago, I would not have worn a sports bra to the gym. I would not have, um, I, I just like didn't feel comfortable with my body. I was like, it's fine, but it's not great. And I don't want to show it off or anything. And I really felt like if it was discovered, because I already had one, maybe both my cookbooks out by then. And I was like, if, if it's discovered that this is my body, I'll lose all of my legitimacy in the wellness world. Like, and before that, I was the food director at a wellness magazine. And I'm like, people will not listen to my advice if they know that I don't have this, like what I considered like a wellness influencer body, which isn't a healthy body for me. Like, it's just not, I've tried to have it. I've successfully had it in the past. And it's, uh, I have other negative health effects when I try to have a body that looks like that. And that's fine because different bodies look in different ways. But through social media, through this, like, I'm going to take the photo and post it. It's It's been really interesting because it's been like facing my fears in that way have has made me so much more comfortable with my body in real life. And I post photos online that would have just like made me cringe like a year. And I would have been like, delete that mm-hmm. like instantly. And now it's, I, I almost like faked it till I made it. I was like, I'm going to do this to show other people that it's okay before I thought it was okay. And then because we give other people permission so much for stuff that we don't give ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're like, you can be this, but I could never. And then in the process of doing that, I grew to like really like my body. I like, I love my body now. And I, I it's been a really interesting journey. So I always tell people now like that they should like do a little photo shoot or post those photos that they, um, you know, that they feel like is less than flattering because the chances are that only you see that. But I think when you broaden aesthetics into a larger thing, I've been talking about this a lot with friends recently, and I'm curious what you think. I think it's really interesting where the line is between like loving yourself and changing yourself, especially these days, because you can do so much. Like, I think I'm just realizing how, I mean, through your podcast a lot, like sometimes I listen (laughs) to episodes and I'm like, you can do, I listened to the one where you interviewed your plastic surgeon in Miami, Mm -hmm. who seems very nice. He seems like a lovely, a lovely gentleman. (laughs) Um, But I wasn't aware you, like the fact that any, like almost anything you don't like about yourself, you can change. And then it's like, well, where's the line between like, I love myself enough to do this for myself versus I will never really love myself if I'm always trying to like run to meet an aesthetic that was probably provided by some sort of like outside media that I haven't even, you know, I don't know where it's from, but I've Mm -hmm. internalized it because I'm getting that messaging all the time. And I struggle with that myself. Like I feel hotter when my hair is blonde, when my teeth are white. I've been very seriously considering Botox for the first time in my life. And I don't know. I, I don't know where the line is, you know? 
Yeah, I don't really either. I think back to the first time I did anything. I mean, I did a little Botox and filler like right when I got sober because I looked in the mirror for the first time sober and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Just, you know, years of like hard drug use and smoking and treating my body like a dumpster and sun damage. I was like, you know, 28 going on like much older than that. So I did a little bit of that. And that was never even a question of like, can I still love myself even if I do this? I just wanted to look how I felt on the inside. You know, I was like, this doesn't match. Like this is, I don't know, it's, it's a mismatch. And then I did my nose and that was something that I had wanted to do since I was like 12. And that's probably a whole other issue, but I just always didn't like it. And then I was kind of good. And then, like you said, a couple years later, I started being like, well, my eyes are really hooded and like this mm-hmm. needs a little tweaking. And I would never have noticed that probably until much later, were it not for social media. Because right. we do internalize these images. I mean, even if I don't follow, you know, I don't follow any accounts that make me feel bad. I stay off my explore page if I can. Usually I can. But still, I'm seeing pictures of the Kardashians, you know, somewhere. And I'm seeing the billboard of this. And we are getting all of these. Well, and I also think social media is interesting because we've always had normal media. You know, you've always mm-hmm. had like Hollywood celebrity. But I think... Growing up, I was like, well, I'm not going to be Jennifer Aniston. Like, I'm not expected to look like Jennifer Aniston. But social media, it's like a little bit aspirational, but still attainable. It's a different level. And so you're like, well, I could look like that. Whereas I, there was never an expectation with celebrity celebrities that you would even be able to come close to attaining that. And I think that's almost, it's like a more dangerous line because mm-hmm. instead of just being content to look like a normal human living a normal life and and like a diverse human too because I think that that flattening of what beauty looks like is almost one of the scariest parts of it but I think that social media has gotten rid of that because it's it's like well I could be her I could be her I could be her she's not Jennifer Aniston she's just like this chick living in Baltimore who mm-hmm. looks like this who is feels more like you and I think that's some of the best parts of social media the the people that we're putting up on pedestals are more like us. And that's good in a lot of ways. But I think it's also, it it normalizes those looks and, and aspiring for those aesthetics. So there was a really interesting article a couple of years ago, maybe last year actually, about Instagram face and about how a lot of people are morphing into this one look. And it's definitely like Kardashian driven, I mm. think. That was kind of the, I mean, beauty standards have changed forever. Right. But they really kind of started this whole, you know, because they all look the same and yeah. then all these women want to look like them. And, and they poor started Chloe this who very... like doesn't look the same as them and has like <laughs> but tried she so hard too. I know she like breaks my heart. But I also think, so this is the other thing I think about Botox and filler and plastic surgery and whatever is it's like, yes, I think we should be fighting the environment that's producing these beauty standards. But like, do we need to take that burden on ourselves? You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I feel like, especially as women, life is so hard. And it's like, sometimes like, why are we choosing to make it harder? Mm-hmm. It, it's a fight that needs to be fought, but do I need to fight it by looking in the mirror every day and hating what I see? Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of feel like that with um, climate change sometimes where it's like, yeah, the big corporations and the governments of the world need to make huge changes But like, do I need to be, and I do all this stuff, like before people come at me, you know, like I have my tote and I have my my reusable water bottle and stuff, but it's like, 
all of these normal people making their lives a little bit worse at every moment when what really needs to happen is something far greater and far more systemic. And I think that obviously individual people create movements eventually, but I also think that sometimes, especially women, just like carry the beast of burden when something larger than that should be changing, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it should start at the top, not at the people who are dealing with it. Like if Hollywood executives like got together and like, and this has happened in a Mm -hmm. lot of, you know, TV shows and movies and stuff like that. And they're like, we're going to show different bodies, different faces. And I think that can be more impactful than you sitting there staring at a wrinkle and saying like, well, I'm not going to get Botox because I don't want to be part of a society that doesn't allow women to age. Right. You know? Yeah. Human sexuality is so important. In fact, it's even a part of wellness, but it's a part that's often overlooked because a lot of people still consider it taboo, although it is not. It is part of life and feeling turned on is more than a wind up to sex. It's a way to feel more alive, understand yourself, unlock confidence and enhance intimacy. Sexuality is as mental as it is physical, and 90% of women report using their imaginations to get turned on. So Dipsy is an app that helps to unlock that imagination and tap into those feelings whenever you want. Women have been under-resourced when it comes to both pleasure and rest for millennia, and Dipsy is here to change that. It is an audio app that is full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. The stories are relatable, inclusive, feminist, and celebratory, and they ground fantasy and reality and show all kinds of preferences and interests because they believe the most exciting, immersive stories are the ones that you can relate to. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter who you are, what you're into, or what turns you on. And also, if you just want to wind down, Dipsy has wellness sessions, they have sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. I know a lot of people want to read before bed and just can't really get into it, so this is a great way to let your imagination go and ease into sleep. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash blonde. That's D-I-P-S-E-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S dot com slash B-L-O-N-D-E. Again, 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash blonde. When I was working with my nutritionist, Rob Yang, a few years ago, something that he really stressed was the importance of getting electrolytes. And he noted that doing so would help with my bloating and water retention, which is actually kind of counterintuitive, and my recovery from workouts. And he actually had me adding Celtic sea salt to my water, which is easy to do, but not great flavor-wise. And it was not a sustainable thing for me for that reason. But here's the deal. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially those on low-carb diets, anyone who practices intermittent or extended fasting, anybody who's physically active or sweats a lot. So according to the FDA, this is interesting, over 70% of sodium in the U.S. diet is consumed from packaged and processed foods. And when you adopt a whole foods diet, which I know a lot of you do, 
while on the one hand, you're gaining so many health benefits, you're also eliminating processed foods, therefore eliminating a lot of sodium from your diet. So don't get me wrong. I am not suggesting that we start eating processed foods for sodium content, but not replacing the sodium can negatively impact health and performance. This is where Element comes in. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar, none of the junk, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, basically no BS. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited no matter what lifestyle or diet you follow. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio that's 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. So I love the watermelon salt, the citrus salt, and the orange salt. They also have other great flavors like mango chili, raspberry. They have grapefruit. They also have an unflavored one if that's not your jam. And Element is loved by professional athletes. Many teams are given this via their performance coach or nutritionist. It's also used by Olympic athletes and us regular people love it too. And here's a little pro tip. I've even heard the citrus salt is great in a margarita if you want to multitask. So there's also that. So you guys need to get on this and Element has a great deal for you. The Blonde Files community members can purchase an Element sample pack for the cost of shipping, which is $5 for U.S. orders. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com slash blondefiles. That's drinklmnt.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S. And they have really amazing customer service. So if you're not happy, they will happily refund your money, no questions asked. Again, that is an Element sample pack for the cost of shipping, which is $5 for U.S. orders at drinkelement.com slash blondefiles. Speaking of the aging thing, we are about the same age. So that was another thing that I wanted to ask you about. And when I did these stories on Instagram this morning, asking people how they feel about it, people were like, I'm grateful. And I'm also fucking terrified. Yeah. And I've been having like an existential crisis in the past year, probably also due to like being at home with COVID, like more time um, to sit and stew on these things, but also living in LA and the beauty standards and just like around thirties, mid thirties, like things start to change a little bit. And it just kind of hit me like a bus last year where I was like, holy shit, like this is actually happening. You kind of live in la la land in your twenties, or at least I did. Yeah, I did too. And then like you realize that um, it's such a privilege to age, obviously. But as a woman, like you were saying, it's so hard. And mm-hmm. then also being on social media. Um, Which is very much youth driven. Like I'm very. literally the oldest person with following on TikTok, I feel like. <laughs> well, <laughs> and like if you look at demographics, like brands, you know, they're like, oh, we want the like 24 to 35. And it's like, well, what happens after 35? Like, <laughs> Which is interesting because then obsolete. those people, the after 35 people have a lot of purchasing Yeah, power. money to spend. And I think it's interesting to think about because we don't, have an example for now, like I was saying, like maybe there will be 55-year-old influencers, but we just haven't seen it yet because Mm -hmm. social media hasn't lived long enough for the 35-year-old or the 25-year-old to like get an audience and carry it through with them for 30 years. But I think it's really hard. I think where we live is, is like a big part of it. And I also think, I don't know, like it's, 
a reason people always like cultivate a personality like you shouldn't care about how you look because the personality is like what sticks through time and I am like I'm glad I was like so I was always the person who was attractive enough to hang out with the attractive people but I was like the funny one in that group and the older I get the more I'm like stoked like I always kind of resented that I wanted to be like all my friends were like tall, beautiful models. And I was just like, I want to be the tall, beautiful model. But instead I was the one where people were like, oh, like you're the funny one who hangs out with the tall, beautiful models. And I thought it was so annoying, but now I'm kind of like, all right, being the funny one will like last me. It'll last me a little bit longer. But you're beautiful too. It's not like you. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I'm definitely not a tall, beautiful model. I'm if anything, a pocket size Models aren't even that tall anymore. (laughs) Well, what is, I'm curious because Chuck is older. So Mm -hmm. does he have like words of, he's also a man. So like, you know, and a white man. So like, he's got a lot going for him and being allowed to age, which I yell at Zach for literally all the time. I'm just like, oh, look, you have gray hair and now you're more attractive. So cool. (laughs) Um, But does he have any like, and he's a man who had a lot of his wins later in life, including meeting and marrying you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, he's like, he always says, like, looks will fade. And I'm like, no, they're, no, they won't. <laughs> Don't say that. But they will. And I do think that's yeah. like why we we need to just like move past this putting looks on a pedestal. It's just mm-hmm. such a, I understand why we do it. But it is like, it's same with Instagram. It's insane to me when people follow people who do literally nothing but just like post pretty pictures of themselves. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what value are you getting from yeah. this? Like, especially when they're like 21 and then they're like, I want to be like this person. I'm like, well, you don't know anything about how they're living their life, girl. Like, you don't take wisdom from a 21-year-old. And I say that as yeah. somebody who was 21 once and gave really <laughs> terrible wisdom, even though I thought I was very wise. Like, when I was in my early 20s, I'd date these, like, 35-year-olds, and I'd be like, oh, it's because, like, I'm so mature. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> that was not great all around, um, <laughs> retrospectively. But I do think that, like, we need to, as a society, just stop putting looks up on a pedestal because it doesn't, it doesn't make you a good dinner conversationalist. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you more fun. It doesn't make your life better. That's something else I've realized is like these people who are lauded for their looks, their life isn't better for it usually. Like Mm -hmm. unless they're actively making a little bit of money off it, that would make it a little bit better. But even then it just comes rot with insecurity. You're just waiting for the day that nobody likes you for your looks anymore. Mm -hmm. So why? Like, what's the good part? You know, like what's the good part? Genuinely, like what's, why are we all trying to be beautiful? What does being beautiful get us? Especially like you found a partner. So you've like fulfilled that biological urge. So for for what reason to have Mm -hmm. some chick you pass in the street be like, damn, she pretty. That's a very good question. (laughs) And I'm sure everybody listening to this is like, whoa. (laughs) But yeah, Chuck is a really good person to, to have around when it comes to this because he has the experience, you know, he's like his life, started getting better in like his fifties. I love that. I love stories of people who are like found success later in life. Yeah. And he's like, this is the best I've ever felt. And so to have somebody saying that it's very encouraging. It's like, okay, life is not over at 35 actually, but he is like a white man and, you know, successful and all of that. So he does have certain, but I um, do think it's like so interesting that like, if you could name what made you like excited to hang out with any single person ever. It would not be that they were hot. Never. And we, but we still just want to be hot. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, we should really be sitting around like being like, 
let me come up with some great conversation starters <laughs> or like, let me get really good at asking people about their their feelings or like, mm-hmm. let me come up with some good jokes to be funny because those are the things we like in people, but we don't sit around doing that literally at all. We present our hot self and then we like are boring at coffee. Mm-hmm. You know? I think it's just like that that little ego boost or like that boost of something, like the validation that you get from other people for a second. But we but get validation for the others. Like sometimes I wonder if we we are dismissing all the other validation yeah. we're getting. We're dismissing the friends that are saying like, you're such a good listener or you're so kind or you bring out a part of me that I've never had brought out before. Or like my husband gives me all sorts of compliments and the ones that I like are like him saying that I'm hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, why is that? Because I, I want to be all the other things too. And And to be frank, if I was just hot, like he would not be with me, you know, like he is with me because I'm so good in bed. (laughs) Um, No, but for all sorts of reasons that have very little to do with my appearance. So why is that the one that sticks, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. And yeah, Chuck has said the same thing. He's like, being attractive, that doesn't sustain past like a few weeks, you know, like it you have to be an interesting well, person. And also being attractive, even for those first few weeks, it's not um, objective, it's subjective. Right. Like we find the people that we, like when I met Zach, I was like, he is the hottest person alive. I want to jump his bones. And all my friends were like, yeah, he's like cute. And I'm like, no, no, you don't <laughs> understand. He's like so hot, you know? And it's, so it's like everybody will have somebody that they think is banging. And that's what I hate about the flattening is honestly, probably we have people pretending they find people attractive when they're actually going like away from what their aesthetic or their attractiveness would be because mm-hmm. we would be all over the place. And mm-hmm. instead we're flattening it in terms of what we're attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> like, whoa, I've never thought about it that way before though. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Also men like hate I, to, to, at the final point, you have to hide when you get like aesthetic changes from men. They like are like, what are you doing? <laughs> so even I like I just said like anymore. laser and Zach was like, why would you do that? Like, does it have, is it for skin cancer purposes or is it just for beauty? And I'm like, <laughs> I know. I just... I'll tell Chuck if I'm going to get like Botox or something like that. Yesterday, he said, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to get a neck procedure. (laughs) And that's like the other nice thing about him. He goes, your neck? Are you kidding me? Like you're a baby. What is wrong with your neck? I remember you said when somebody like asked you, I don't know if it's on Instagram or your podcast, like, does Chuck pay for stuff? And you were like, no, because this way I don't have to tell him about it. If I pay for it, then I don't, I don't share. I mean, nothing like trust and honesty. It's a foundation. Sometimes just the freedom to have space from each other. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, yeah, I'm trying to think like what he actually doesn't know. There's only one procedure that he doesn't know about, but he might listen to this and know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not really a hiding. It's just like, now I know that if I tell him, he's just going to worry that I'm not going to look like myself and mm-hmm. he's going to worry. That's like number one, because yeah. your partner falls in love with, with you. Like yeah. that's who they fall in love with. And that's what he always says. He's like, I fell in love with your face. Why would you like, why, you know? And you're like, because you fell the- in love with my face when it was 29, yeah. bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, he's like, it's your body, do what you want. Yeah. But yeah. So another thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, because I think you're one of the only 
digital people, creators, content creators that really is vocal about this is the question over whether or not you want to have kids. Mm -hmm. So somebody asked me recently in a Q&A that I was doing, like if people ask me all the time and I said, well, in my personal life, no, nobody ever asks me, but you people, <laughs> strangers oh, on the internet, like what is daily. Up with that? It's so, I and know. I also think it's so interesting how like the, the cachet of having children. Like I literally mm -hmm. know people who went from, 60,000 TikTok followers to like 300,000 with a with a pregnancy announcement. Like, and TikTok is also really young. So it's like, is it just a bunch of 19 year olds who want to watch us get knocked up? Like what is going on there? I genuinely don't, don't understand the public interest in other people's wombs. I mean, I've heard, I don't know people specifically, but I've heard that there are influencers who like purposely get pregnant I've because heard that the money. Too. I actually is know so specific. Oh, you do. The, well, the money is really good because it opens you up to a new category mm -hmm. of like baby products, stuff like that. But also, like your audience, genuine. Like, I, like it's one of the only careers I can think of for women where you actually get more successful for having a kid. Which right. I also think is weird because it's not like everybody wants to consume baby content. So I don't um, know. It's a bit. Yeah, I get asked like probably. 10 times a day lightly, mm -hmm. I would say, like, is a conservative <laughs> like, I love you, estimate. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is interesting. Uh, and I, I haven't decided. You're, you haven't decided too, right? I was a firm no, and I still am a no, but I'm also considering freezing my eggs only because, I mean, I've had a lot of, a lot of OBGYNs and women that I know who are like, oh, I was a firm no at your age too. Mm. And then at 40, it was all I wanted and I didn't have the option anymore mm. um, for whatever reason. So part of me feels like since I can financially, like, why not? Why not give yourself the option? Yeah. I hear it's a little bit of a rough like. Yeah, I have few, a few friends who have just yeah, done it. So. And one of my friends was like, Nobody told me. <laughs> <laughs> I have one friend that did it and she was like, it was a breeze. Sam. And then I have another friend going through it who is having a little bit of a harder time. So I think it depends. I had an IUD for five days recently and that was like for the five worst days? fucking experience Wait, of my life. What? So I'm like, how can I handle those hormones? Wait, what happened? I had polyps in my uterus and my OBGYN was like, I'm going to just put an IUD in while you're under, it's great. That All actually my sounds really nice because getting an IUD inserted yeah. is the most horrifically like painful thing I have ever experienced today in my life. I cannot imagine. And she kind of just sold it as like, all my patients love it. It'll make your periods lighter. It'll help because I have really irregular periods and I have PCOS and I have like pretty much every reproductive thing that you could think of um, and horrendous periods. So like when I do get it, I'm like on the bathroom floor, vomiting crazy beforehand, um, excruciating cramps, all of that. So I was like sold. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't really take into consideration that anytime that I've ever tried being on hormonal birth control before then oh. I go into like psychosis, like I get legit crazy. And even though there wasn't a whole lot. Were I think you it was like only, the Mirena type? It was in the Mirena family. So it was less hormones than that. Um, and it's delivered locally to the uterus. So she was like, it won't really get in your bloodstream. But a couple days later, I was traveling. So I got it done on a Thursday, went to Florida on Sunday. And Sunday night, I started feeling like really weird. And Monday morning, Tuesday, I won't go into all the details. But I mean, I was like, panicked to the point where I couldn't even talk, could barely even breathe. Oh my God. Um, 
And were you my immediately like the connection? Like, were you like, this is my IUD? Or were you like, what is happening to my body? I'm going to die. So the first day I was like, maybe I'm just jet lagged. Cause I felt, I just felt so weird. I can't really describe it. And then when the peripheral vision started getting like magnified, I was like, hmm, this is weird. I felt like I was in fight or flight. And I told my other OBGYN about that. And she said, well, progestin, whatever the synthetic progesterone is in that, some women, it can activate your amygdala. So you go into fight or flight. And so when you're thinking you're getting chased by a bear and you're going to die, like your peripheral vision yeah, is which like- which is like literally what happens when you're having a panic attack. So you're just like having a long-term panic attack. It was like a four-day panic attack. And finally I went to New York and I was like, take this thing out of me. Oh my God. And yeah. did it immediately like subside? No. So then the bleeding started. It's like way TMI. Sorry, Brian. Um, <laughs> Nothing like a male like a podcast <laughs> And it took like maybe two weeks, like a week and a half, two weeks to fully come back to normal. I feel like that's, I've heard a lot of sort of IUD horror stories and I haven't heard that. And it's definitely something that should be talked about if there's literally like this hormone causes this because- Obviously, I had a marina for seven years. It was a fine experience. My sex drive went away completely, but other than that, it was fine. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> other than that, it was great. Um, but like a lot of women have completely fine experiences. But if somebody out there is having your experience but doesn't know that that's why and they're just dealing with that, that's like mm-hmm. horrifying to to think about. Yeah, I made it a point not to read anything online about it beforehand because I didn't want to get that into my head. Because sometimes you read like causes like anxiety and insomnia Mm -hmm. and then you're like, wait a second, I'm not sleeping. And that's why I think having doctors you trust is so important because then you can kind of skirt just reading reviews. Yeah, and when I talked to my doctor, she was like, this has never happened to any of my patients. And I started to feel like maybe I was a little bit crazy. And then I started looking it up and there were a bunch of people in forums that had the same thing. And then my OBGYN in New York said some women are just hypersensitive to levogesterone. I don't know. Whatever it's Wait, called, do you know how this is like getting in the weeds a little bit, but like, do you know how that would interact with egg freezing? I don't know. Um, actually, yeah. She said that I could still freeze my eggs with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but we were talking about, oh yeah, I said, Kids. I don't think I can handle the hormones yeah. that they give you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, what are you thinking about that? About having kids mm-hmm. and freeze them. I don't want to freeze my eggs. I don't know why. I have like a very strong sense that I don't want to freeze my eggs and I don't know where that comes from. Although I don't think, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. If I was going to do it, I would do natural egg retrieval, which I don't know if you've heard about that, mm-hmm. but like they can, there's ones where they... We talked about it on um, Ask the Doctor Hormone Edition, I think, with Aviva Ram. Mm-hmm. And she said that you can do where you like hyperstimulate your ovaries and produce like a bunch more eggs. But you can also just kind of retrieve the eggs that are there and it's more gentle on your body hormonally. So if I was wow. going to do it, I would do that. But having kids, I don't know. I So I did these like pros and cons of having kids episode and I like opened up to my audience to kind of anonymously say – what their thoughts were on having kids. And it's so interesting when you make it anonymous because immediately a few of my friends who had kids were like, nobody's going to say anything (laughs) negative. Like nobody's going to say they regretted having kids. And I'm like, well, the 500 emails in my inbox like tell me otherwise. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's interesting when you give women and men a safe space or forum to, to really honestly talk about that. How many people are like, I love my kid so much. And what I'm saying doesn't take away from that in any way, shape or form. But I, I don't like my life since I had this kid or I don't like my relationship with my partner anymore. And it's really 
scary. And I think some of it is resource-based, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like in general, I would say the couples who had more resources, whether it was just straight financial resources or it was resources in terms of family living really close that was interested in helping out just like a community because we were, we're meant to raise children in tribes and we've completely eliminated that from our lives, which has made mostly women's lives incredibly more difficult. I think resources made a huge difference, but it was still just, I don't know, it's scary. It's scary to think that your life could be really, really, really good. And then you could add in this element that would make everything worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe one thing, you like, I love this kid, but also my relationship with my partner is worse and my finances are tighter and I don't feel like my own identity anymore. But also I'm really scared to miss out on like a type of love. I feel like we're on this planet to experience as much of life as possible. And I live mm-hmm. every other part of my life in that way. Like just truly trying to, I've like FOMO for like life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where I'm just like, we're g- guys, have you thought about the fact that we're going to die someday? Like we really <laughs> got to get stuff in. And it really scares me to just miss out on a, on a whole type of love. So I'm deeply undecided. I'm also deeply comforted by the fact that I think fertility struggles are incredibly real. And I see and hear, you know, every woman who's dealing with stuff like that. But I also think that so many women have babies at 38, 39, 40, early 40s. The reason though, that it's not talked about that much is often they're like your fourth baby. Like if you think about anybody who's had like four or five or six babies, usually the later ones you're getting up there in age, but people almost don't think about it as much because they've had mm-hmm. so many already. Um, so I, I I could see doing like one at like 39 mm-hmm. and being happy, but I could also really see, see not. And I don't think there's, I think it's cool that we live in a society where it's like a choice. Um, and there's so many ways to live a really happy and fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's interesting that some people don't see it as a choice almost. Like, I don't know, when I've talked about not wanting them, people try to convince me like, it's like, I can't make my own choice, you know? Like Um, they're, I think it's because people in all facets of life, but especially with decisions you cannot go back on, mm -hmm. really want to have their own choices validated, you know? So it's like, if you're saying you don't want kids, what does that say about me for having my kids? What does that say about the life I've chosen for myself? And I think we do that in pretty much every facet of our lives. Like, what does it say about me if you've chosen to, I remember when all my friends would like leave New York and I'd be like, well, I'm staying in New York. So like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else you can change and having yeah. kids, you you can. It feels so, so permanent, which is why I think it is such a big decision. But I think because it feels permanent and because it's really, really hard people want that choice validated Mm -hmm. as much as possible. And so I think I try to have grace for the people coming at me online about (laughs) it as much as possible because I I do think that it's so much more about them wanting to feel good about their lives, which is honestly a lot of our job, right? Like Mm -hmm. I feel like being in the space of being an influencer um, and creating content and kind of living your life in this way is, is giving people the information and the emotional space to feel more informed to make the better life choices, but then to feel really good about the choices that they're making to be like, I'm not alone in these choices. I'm not alone in these feelings. And so I can see how having kids like fits in with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like for me, at least I'm just in this phase right now where I want to pick up and go, like, I love the independence that I have right now. Yeah. And 
that's also why I'm scared that I'll change my mind because I feel like I'm kind of living out my 20s and my 30s because my 20s, I was like in a blackout the whole time. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, I hope that, you know, I don't wake up in my 40s and suddenly want what I would normally want. Done. So that's but the I only thing that makes me question a little bit. But I also think there's also like a lot of avenues to that too. You know, there's adoption and there's dogs. dogs. <laughs> I mean, I love my cat like a really gross amount. I do too. <laughs> I'm like, and I always say to Chuck, all the oxytocin here that would be like going to a baby is going to my dog. Right. <laughs> and I don't know. Child. Like I do think it's, there's, there's, there's all sorts of ways to live a really wonderful and satisfying life. And I think that at any point we can make our life really wonderful and satisfying. I don't think there's a wrong answer. And that's almost like what's hard about it, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, that's a really good note to end on. So um, tell everybody where they can find you and about your podcast and all of that. Yeah. So I am uh, Liz Moody on Instagram, Liz Moody on TikTok, Liz Moody online. (laughs) Um, like lizmoody.com. You could go to lizmoody.com and get a free green smoothie guide. We didn't talk about healthy eating like at all, all. (laughs) which I like, Uh, but healthy eating is actually my sourdough bread and pasteurized butter. Uh, So you can go to lizmoody.com and get a free green smoothie guide. And then I also have a podcast called Healthier Together. And I interviewed Ariel on it and um, it's a great episode. It's, it's, it really is like a TV. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. I don't know. You think Chuck would like make it You would think he would like hear that story. I'll write it for you. Um, But it's, we, and then she, it was, it was a really fun, so everybody should go listen to that. And we also talk about wellness and um, I have Ask the Doctor episodes where I dive into hormones and gut health and anxiety and stuff like that. So you really are such a storyteller, even with like nonfiction, (laughs) like when you bring people on your podcast and you just put it together in such a digestible way. Thank you. I work really hard at it. Um, I also did work as a journalist for like a decade, which I always like, I don't want to be like, I worked as a journalist for a decade, so I know (laughs) how to do this. But I'm also like, I really have been interviewing people for pretty much my entire professional life. And I love it. It's my favorite thing. I do it at bars. I do it in Ubers. (laughs) Um, And sometimes I record it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.